You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. Today, we're going to talk about the intersection of technology and hospitality. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management, and I'm your host on the main course. And our guest today is Joe Montaniel, who's the CEO and co-founder of Seven Rooms. Welcome. You know, it's nice to chat with you. So our first question is, what does Seven Rooms do? Yeah, th- thanks, Barbara. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, so what does Seven Rooms do? So uh, in a nutshell, you know, our mission is to help hospitality operators make their guests feel at home. And the way we do that is really by helping them have a better understanding of who their guests are through data. So we're helping restaurants understand Barbara, what her preferences are, what the relationship is with Barbara in terms of how often you're coming in or in these days, how often you're ordering pickup or delivery. Uh, and really, you're giving them that data to really personalized service as well as personalized marketing. And so our goal is to really help operators build a direct and personalized relationships with each of their guests before, during, and after, and now today online and offline. So what's your role and you know why did you want to become an entrepreneur? Sure. So I'm one of the founders. There's, uh, I would say there's three musketeers that, uh, you know, my two co-founders, Ali and Kanesh, uh, we've been now working on the business for over 10 years together. Uh, why did we become, or why did I become an entrepreneur? I think it, you know, kind of similar to, to other entrepreneurs out there. It's always been a, something that I've done. To me, I guess it really wasn't a choice. Uh, it was something that I always felt like I wanted to, to go build businesses from an early age. And I guess more specifically, you know, I started my career in finance. Uh, it was a world that was very unfulfilling. Uh, you got paid pretty well, but uh, and I hated my my life pretty much every single day. I learned a lot, so I would do it all. If I had to do it all over again, I would do it again. Uh, but I wasn't getting that that itch scratched uh, to really feel like I was having an impact. And so for me, it became pretty clear at some point that uh, I needed to go start a business uh, that I could feel good about, regardless of the financial outcome, uh, but do something that I thought had a lot of impact on the world. What attracted you to starting that business within the hospitality industry? Yeah, so coming back to, you know, my original kind of starting job in finance, you know, we we were working really long hours. Uh, this was the days of the 100 hour plus work weeks, which I don't, you know, looking back, I don't even know how that's possible. Uh, but we never knew when we were going to have off for the weekend. Uh, so imagine, you know, going weeks and months without knowing when the next free time is that you're going to have. And one of the things I loved to do in my free time was go out to eat, go out to new restaurants. And I would read about all of these new places popping up. Uh, but I never had the time to actually book a reservation in advance because I never knew when I was going to have off. And I never had the time to go 20 times to become a regular at these places. And so it started from a point of view of, well, why and how? Can I, for myself personally, how could I start to, you know, go to these places and enjoy them and experience them when I don't have the time or or know when I'm going to be free? So it started first from the consumer side or the customer side, and then we quickly learned 
you know, part of it is because uh, the restaurants don't really have the data on their guests, which is why you have to go 20 times to build that relationship. So it really started from a personal consumer point of view, and then we shifted over to the business side. So it's kind of like you started with the problem and, and how to solve the problem. Yeah, exactly. You know, fundamentally, the problem that we set out to solve was how do you help create an amazing guest experience? And we started at it looking at it first from the customer's point of view is how can I create the best experience for me? Uh, and what we realized pretty quickly is no matter what we could do for the consumer, the operator needed to play a role. And when we were thinking about how to get information into the hands of the operators, we started really looking at the systems they were using to run their business. And when we looked at the systems, we saw one big thing missing. And that one big thing missing was guest data. And so we really scratched our heads because we said, well, this is an industry that's all about understanding the little things. This is an industry that's all about making people feel special. How can they do it when the very ingredient you need to do it is not available to, not available in the systems they're using to run their business? And so that was really the light bulb moment that said, hey, instead of focusing on the consumer, it, what if we focus on the operator? And by doing that, we would get to that better guest experience that we set out to solve for. So just to explain a little bit the story behind the name Seven Rooms um, and why it was selected to fit the company. Sure. So in the early days, you know, typical to I think a lot of other startups, uh, we, you know, we we wanted firstly to become a company that was all about having technology help businesses build relationships with people. You know, we thought back then technology mostly was transactional. You know, so tracking your purchases and, you know, transactions, it didn't really matter who you were. And we said, well, in hospitality, that's almost all that matters is who you are, who you know, how the business treats that person. And we said, well, we want to be a technology company that's all about helping businesses build relationships with people. And so for two months, we, you know, we, we did the normal startup thing. We came up with a lot of crappy names. We put them all on a whiteboard. I remember uh, Ali, one of our co-founders, threatened to quit if we chose one of the names that was a top candidate. And then of course we had to find the, the domains and the URLs that were actually available because we didn't have a lot of money, of course, when we were starting. So, uh, but we ended up actually stumbling across this theory uh, by Graydon Carter. It's popularized in, in a, a movie, in a book, and it's called the Seven Rooms Theory. And it says this, it says, in New York, there are seven interconnected rooms, each one more exclusive than the one before it. So just when you think you're at the top spot or the best place, there's always another room that you don't have access to or you haven't discovered yet. And that really hit the nail on the head for us. You know, it's not about exclusivity. The seventh room is actually where you go to where you feel most at home. And we said, that's exactly what we want to do. We want to help businesses build that seventh room experience for their guests. And we want to help guests have that experience. And it's different for everyone. It's different depending on the day, the time, your mood. And so that's, we said, that's the technology company you want to be. So luckily the seven rooms domain was available. Um, and, and some people think we're a hotel booking service, which is still funny to, to this day. Uh, but that's why we chose seven rooms. Everything was going great. And then the pandemic last year. So how did the pandemic affect the company? Yeah, it was really tough. You know, I think it was smooth sailing for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, this hurricane, storm, tornado, all wrapped together uh, happened. And it was really tough for the company. It was really tough for our, our 
partners who are we consider the hospitality industry you know there are at the end of the day you know we're a business to business tool our customers are the restaurant operators as an example and you know we felt the impact just like they felt the impact and you know one of the things we hire for is empathy and you know i think we have a very empathetic company and you can only imagine you know our team wearing the pain and the struggles of the industry on our sleeves so the very early days of the of the pandemic you know early march it was the oh crap moment what are we going to do and and i think it was you know there were some dark days because uh, we didn't know what happened we didn't know when the end was going to come uh, but I, I have to say i'm really proud of the team uh, they really rallied together to uh, to kind of focus on the positivity uh, almost like a you know i heard this i heard this great uh, ben chestnut uh, quote he's the founder of mailchimp uh, and they were asking him you know what what's what's a piece of advice or something a mantra you think about uh, and he said basically you know imagine we're camping and you get lost in the woods and you say to the team, well, I have good news and I have bad news. And that is all the same, which is no one is coming. And it's it's in a way what that means is really, it's up to us to move from here. It's up to us to make the choices to help the industry and help ourselves and help each other. And so I think we really rallied around that to say, look, you know, it's up to us to help make this better uh, and let's see what we can do. So it really, I think we, we had a, a bit of a phoenix moment for the company uh, where we said this can be the moment uh, there's a lot of damage there's they're still in the storm uh, but seven rooms is here to play a role for the industry and this is the time what were some of the pain points that you were hearing from your customers and you know and how did you help them yeah so you know an immediate pain point of course was you know our our business was was very focused on uh, in-service dining and in a lot of markets, pretty much overnight, in-service in-service dining went to zero. You know, in parts of in California, uh, in New York City, and so for those operators, they needed to get a solution up and running where they could offer uh, delivery and pickup. And many restaurants that had never offered delivery and pickup before uh, had to make a choice about whether they wanted to operate in that model. So uh, we ended up launching a service to help them with delivery and pickup you know, something that was commission free uh, to really help keep their business open and operating. Uh, so that was one of the kind of quickest decisions we had to make. Uh, luckily, we were planning ahead for that. You know, we were going to go into delivery and pickup anyways before COVID. Uh, but that was one of the more immediate things that we had to get up and running and get off the ground. So you were talking a little bit before about data and, you know, how in, it's important to, you know, understand that data to understand the guest. Um, so it's always kind of been a key to improving operations and the guest experience, but how is it playing a role in the pandemic? Yeah, it's been, it's, it is playing such a central role and I'll give you some examples. So when COVID happened, you know, restaurants, you know, all of their normal ways of doing business changed, whether it was about operating hours, whether it's about letting customers know if you're going to do delivery pickup. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that where data played a role is our customers had lots of great customer data or guest data. And really what that means more specifically is they had a, a marketing database. Uh, many other customers actually came to us that were prospects or we hadn't built a relationship with. And when we started talking to them, they actually had no marketing database. 
because they were 100% reliant on third parties to bring them business. And all of a sudden, you know, the ways they did business really changed. So uh, we saw operators that were using our platform be able to, to, to adjust more quickly. So for instance, cust- uh, restaurants that had never done delivery pickup were able to actually email their customer base. Uh, Altamaria Group is a great example of this. They're here in New York City. They have about you know, 10 plus restaurants here in this local area. And they were able to say, hey, hey customers, we're now offering delivery or pickup. Uh, so at even you know, really uh, Michelin-starred restaurants like Marea, uh, they started offering delivery pickup and it became a, a quick, great way to start that business or jumpstart that business. And if they hadn't had the guest data, they would be starting from scratch. And quite frankly, they would be very much so more reliant on third-party delivery companies to bring the business. Seven Rooms has also, you know, kind of been collecting a lot of, of statistics, you know, during the pandemic and, and even before. Um, but are, you know, what kind of statistics are you monitoring now? Um, and are there any any kind of things that are uh, trends or things that are standing out to you? Yeah, one of the biggest ones, you know, and I think it to to clarify, you know, we we believe that third-party delivery companies can play a role in the ecosystem, uh, but we don't think that they should play the only role. We think that it's really important that restaurants have their own direct channels. So what that really means is on their website, on their social channels. Uh, we don't think that a restaurant should have to pay for people that are coming directly to them. And so along that same note, you know, restaurants using our platform are still taking delivery from third-party delivery channels and now taking delivery on their own website where they're not paying a commission. And the stat that comes to mind that we track very closely is actually 64% of delivery customers say they prefer to order directly from a restaurant versus a third party. That's a phenomenal stat. And, you know, we really believe that restaurants need to take advantage of that where consumers actually want to order direct. It's really just up to the restaurant to make sure that they're turning on a direct channel that, that consumers can use. And and why do you think that the customers are saying that? Is it a trust factor that they want to make sure that the you know the money that they're spending gets as much to the restaurant as possible? I think there's a few factors there. Uh, the first one is what you mentioned, Barbara. So you know, I think for the first time in a long time, consumers are more aware of restaurant economics. I think. You know, there's all this press about restaurants closing, and there's been all this press about third-party delivery companies. You know, the government has gone as far as capping fees in some markets, and so I do think the consumer, for the first time, is actually very aware, uh, or more more aware than they've been in the past about the cost of using a third party. So it doesn't mean every customer, every consumer is not going to use third parties on a go-forward basis, but there is some segment of of customers that want to do something that is more meaningful to the restaurant, which really means going direct. So I think that's one trend that is driving that. The second trend is really about uh, safety, actually. I, I read a stat and I was kind of, uh, you know, I kind of raised my eyebrows at it, but I, you know, it was uh, Wall Street Journal stat that 30% of food delivery drivers taste the food. And I don't know what the population size of that was, but, <laughs> but I read that and obviously in, in these days, you know, everyone is being hypersensitive, rightfully so, uh, to, you know, keeping things sanitized, having the right packaging. And so I do think that there is consumer sentiment that actually going direct, you know, uh, or picking up the food, you have uh, less likelihood that that food will be contaminated 
Uh, and then, and then I think the third thing is, is really, you know, people are bored, uh, people are cooped up, uh, and you know, it's something to do uh, to get out of the house for a little bit to to go pick up that food, so or to go direct. So I think those are the three trends that are driving it in terms of why consumers want to go direct. What should restaurant operators be doing right now, you know, to welcome guests back and kind of maintain um, an off-premise guest experience as well? Yeah, they need to, you know, going back to the guest data part, they really need to be investing in tools that give them guest data and ownership of that guest data. And, and what I mean by that is the ability to market to Barbara and build a relationship with Barbara. Uh, you know, before COVID, that was important. Coming out of COVID, that's critically important. And it needs to be done in both a delivery pickup, so an off-premise, and then if it is a restaurant that offers, you know, uh, in-service dining, you know, an on-premise capacity. And the reason why that's the most important is direct relationships are the most profitable. You know, you don't have to pay a third-party delivery company 20 to 30% commission uh, and now you have the ability to actually bring that guest into the restaurant when it's back to normal times or get that guest to order delivery pickup from you. Uh, so having the ability to build that relationship, having that data will be critically important. And restaurants need to start doing that now, not tomorrow, not a week from now, not a month from now, but now because it's one of the few ways that they can actually change their economics and one of the few ways they can actually run a more profitable business. So in what ways do exceptional guest experiences start at seven rooms? Yeah. So, you know, exceptional guest experiences really start online. Uh, and, you know, we think about the before part of the guest journey. And so that's, you know, reservations and wait lists. If it's a market that's still offering that, it's delivery and pickup. And so it's about, you know, speaking to the consumer, putting things in front of the consumer that matter to them. So for instance, with seven rooms, uh, restaurants can tailor their offering. They can create experiences or packages. Uh, they can make things available only on their, their own digital channels. Uh, so give the customer a reason to come to them. And we think that their digital channels actually offer that. So that's the first part. The second part is actually in the booking or ordering process where customers, we enable a two-way street. So enable Barbara, the customer, to tell the restaurant more about you, whether it's your preferences, your food allergies, uh, whether it's special occasions, your birthday, uh, enabling customers to actually share more information that can lead to a better experience is really important. And then that's really where, lastly, the technology starts to take over. You know, we connect a lot of dots and we automate things for the restaurant. So as an example, depending on what you order, if you order the tzatziki three times or more, whether that is through delivery pickup or whether that's when you've been in the restaurant, the system will automatically tag you as a tzatziki lover. Uh, and then, you know, when you come into the restaurant for the first time, maybe you've been ordering delivery the past three months, you want to come into the restaurant or do outdoor dining. The restaurant can say, Barbara, welcome in for your very first time. Thank you for all of your support. Uh, here's a complimentary tzatziki on the house. Uh, let us know if you like it. And so we look at every step along the guest journey as a way to, for restaurants and guests to create better experiences in their interactions. And every place is a place where we can get more data, leverage the data, and then build more data. So that that very next interaction or that very next touch point can be amazing. So you've talked a lot about how 
personalization is kind of the it's the dining of the future um but it's here now um and it's something people should be paying attention to um you know from what i'm hearing you saying you know in in order to you know to get these customers either back in or to keep them um you really need to to use the data to have that personal touch yeah that's that's spot on and you know i think what's interesting is the hospitality industry we think in many ways invented personalization you know even way 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 back in the day uh you know the history or onset of restaurants you know restaurants really have been doing personalization they just haven't had the data or the systems that help them do it meaningfully and at scale and so you know we think that by giving them the data uh and giving the systems that we say make better service easier uh, that should, you know, really lead to better guest experiences and more personalized guest experiences. And on a go forward basis, so while the industry has always been doing personalization, we think it's going to matter even more. And here's why. So over the past, call it roughly the year that COVID has happened, you know, consumers have picked up new habits. You know, in our in our house, you know, we're cooking four or five nights a week. And I got to tell you, some of the dishes my fiance makes are really, well, most of the dishes I would say are really, really good. And she's also baking pies and, you know, people are baking bread and you pull up Instagram and you see all of these amazing dishes that are not coming from restaurants or actually coming from people's homes. You also have people sitting at home that are now used to pick up and delivery. So what does that mean? So that means on a go forward basis, restaurants, the bar is higher for restaurants to get people to come in and have an experience. And so the way to make that special is to really personalize it. What can you do for the guest that they cannot do at home? And one of those things that restaurants can do is make a really special experience, create a really special environment. And so they need to have the data to be able to bring guests uh, into their places or keep that relationship going because that's gonna help them stand out now that the customer or the consumer has a variety of different choices that they've gotten used to. So in the pandemic, several rooms raised $50 million in funding. So what are you going to use it for? I know you mentioned seven things that you want to do. And, you know, why are investors interested in restaurant technology? Yeah, so, you know, we, we set out to, to raise some capital uh, because we saw, you know, our role to play in the ecosystem. And, you know, there's very few companies that are just focused on the restaurant. You know, at the end of the day, the restaurant is our customer, the hospitality operator is our, is our one and only customer. And so 100% of our time, 100% of our resources really goes into building the best platform possible for them, solving the problems for them. And we've been at it for 10 years. And so when you can be singularly focused on one customer base, I think you end up getting a really, really good platform, uh, one that continues to get better. So. In line with that, we said there is more that we can add to the platform that can help restaurants personalize that guest experience, that can help restaurants make more money, uh, increase revenue and increase profitability. So we saw delivery and pickup as an example as one of those places that we wanted to go play that because we have the rest of the platform, it would make a lot of sense for us to offer it. And we had a lot of customers that were asking us what else we could do uh, in terms of restaurants for delivery and pickup uh, and so we ended up saying we want to get more, uh, we want to do more in our platform. Uh, so we ended up in 2020 
you know, pretty much doubling the size of our technology team on the development side, on the product side, uh, really with the idea of being a platform that helps the industry do more with less. That's always been the goal. Uh, but I think coming out of COVID, it's clear, you know, restaurants are going to be more short staffed. There's going to be less resourcing. And rather than having to manage 25 different systems, uh, having a system that's singularly focused on their success and having a partner like Seven Rooms that's helping them build the relationship. Bar it turns out Barbara's the same guest, whether she's ordering deliver or pickup, whether she's coming into the restaurant. So how do we help you understand that and then help you remarket to Barbara to get her to come back or order again? So uh, that's that was the point of view of why uh, we ended up raising capital and what we're doing. We also, you know, we're proud to say we supported our restaurant partners. You know, we subsidized over $10 million of fees in 2020 for them. We helped generate over $100 million of incremental revenue and profit profitability that went back to the bottom line, uh, went back to the pockets of our restaurant partners to help them do more, to help them keep their lights on, to help pay their staff. So we're really, really proud of that. And I think, you know, why, why technology investors are interested in the space you know, the restaurant industry has been an untouched industry by technology largely. You know, I think most of the technology in the space is version 1.0. Uh, there's really large players that have uh, really built up a lot of technology for restaurants, which was good for a certain point in time. Uh, but I think in some cases, innovation has been really lacking. And you know, it's one of the biggest industries on the planet. Uh, and to think about an industry that's been untouched by technology, uh, I think that's what has gotten investors excited. Uh, so that's why I think there's been more focus. And then lastly, you know, you have a lot of big, you know, third party companies, you know, the DoorDashes, the Uber Eats of the world uh, coming out and, and being having really successful financial outcomes for investors. So I think that only you know, leads to more interest. So how do you envision, I guess, the restaurant of the future um, where there's more of an intersection of hospitality and technology? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. We think the restaurant of the future, uh, technology is invisible and the guest experience is highly personalized. And so, you know, I think we always have looked at it as how do you have technology create that human touch? Uh, how do you have technology help, you know, the operator build that that experience or that warm and fuzzy moment? And how do we make technology invisible? Uh, so, you know, we ended up taking investment from Amazon and we're doing a lot of cool stuff with Alexa. And that was part of the thinking, actually. So, you know, historically, you know, whether you're using a piece of paper or whether you're using an iPad or an Apple Watch, you have to look away to access information about the guest. So if Barbara walks in, I'm still looking down at a piece of paper or an iPad. And so what we said is, well, how could we get the team at the restaurant, the same information on at Barb on Barbara, without having that person have to look away, and so we ended up building something with Amazon for Alexa, where you know we can put an invisible earpiece in the host stand's ear, in the general manager's ear, ear, excuse me, and uh, they can access that information. So, for instance, the manager could be walking around and say, "Alexa, tell me who's on table seven, and they can say. That's Barbara. She's celebrating her birthday. Her favorite wine is cake bread cellars. And so I can say, okay, Alexa, send a bottle of cake bread cellars on me. I go over, I say hi to you. I ask how your experience is. And I walk away and, and you don't know how I knew that, but 
in terms of you, the guests, you got a really special moment. And then all at the same time, I can say, hey, Alexa, tell me how the kitchen's doing. Uh, what's our what's our time right now for delivery orders? Uh, how many you know guests do we have coming in that that uh, have allergies, or how many large parties do we have coming in? So it ends up becoming this this kind of how do you use technology to kind of help uh, enable all the touch points? And then our our ultimate vision is we want to make technology invisible. So what's your view on? ghost virtual kitchens and virtual brands? Um, and do you think entertainment, which was such a big thing a few years ago, you know, that those kind of venues will have a comeback at some point? Yeah, g- ghost kitchens are are really interesting. You know, I think it's, it, it's going to be uh, similar to other new technologies or new things that happen. There's going to be good and there's going to be bad. And I think it's really important restaurants understand uh, what's good and what's bad. And I think it's you know, different, different depending on the restaurants. So uh, ghost, ghost kitchens, I think, are really coming about because the economics, again, of the restaurant don't really work. Uh, space, is it, space is misutilized in some cases. And so there's an idea of how can you rethink restaurant space or kitchen space. And I think ghost kitchens is really filling a need. Uh, so the challenge, though, is that, you know, ghost kitchens can start to uh, make restaurant brands extinct because restaurants begin to serve the ghost kitchen. Uh, The ghost kitchen is delivering chicken wings as opposed to a branded chicken wing. You know, the ghost kitchen starts to subsume that brand. And so I think for restaurants, it's really important that they understand uh, what the rules of the game are. It's very similar to what happened with Uber. You know, it's very similar to what happened with some of these other kind of new economies and new ways of doing business. There is some good and there is some bad. And, you know, I think it's going to serve its role. Uh, but very important restaurants understand uh, what that would mean for them in the short term and the long term. Uh, and then, Barbara, I think you asked, I don't know, I, I forget if you asked the second question, sorry. Um, yeah, about um, entertainment, which mm. was, you know, a big trend, you know, before the pandemic. Um, do you see those venues having a comeback at some point? Yeah, I think they're going to come back and they're going to come back so strong. You know, the the reason I think that is that, uh, you know, you look at some of the countries where they've done a much better job. Uh, so we, we are fortunate in a way because we have customers or restaurants all over the world. So, you know, 40% of our customer base is international. Uh, we have a lot of customers now in Australia, in Hong Kong, in Singapore, all through the Middle East and then Europe. And so in, in parts of Asia and Australia, you know, it's almost, it's not normal, uh, but, you know, they've done a really good job of containing the virus and restaurants in Australia are packed. You can't get a reservation right now. It's actually insane uh, what's happening there right now. And, and I think entertainment's going to get that same benefit of people are cooped up. They want to go out and spend their money. And I think because travel will be less in the next 12 to 24 months. So people are going to be less likely to hop on the plane to go to that family vacation or go to that resort that they typically go to. I think local is going to get the benefit of that that dollar spend over the next 12 to 24 months that would have theoretically gone to travel and would have gone to experiences. I do think entertainment and restaurants are, are perfectly positioned to capture that demand. So you're kind of 
you know, pulling into, you know, the what we keep hearing about a pent up demand, you know, that people are, uh, you know, not going out now, they're not socializing, and that they're going to want to, you know, go out and have a cup of coffee uh, in the morning, and then have a lunch out and then dinner out too. And, you know, how do you think that that pent up demand, you know, will come into play with with what you do? Yeah, it will, you know, I think it will push the technology to help restaurants, you know, whatever that demand looks like to make sure that they can accommodate that demand. Uh, so one of the things, for instance, is I, I do foresee restaurants that started offering delivery and pickup for the first time during COVID. I don't really see that turning off. And so I think coming out of COVID, they're going to be operating delivery, pickup, and their dining rooms. And so, for instance, that means having to balance how the kitchen operates, you know, the pacing uh, for the kitchen, and it means having to manage multiple channels online. So I think overall, it's going to be a really, really good thing for the restaurants that can make it through the next six months, six to 12 months, really. And uh, what it means for us is hopefully more restaurants signing up for the technology platform because we do give them that 360 degree view. Uh, we do help them all across the guest journey, across delivery, pickup, reservations, wait list, uh, and then marketing automation to help them use that data to bring guests back. So Seven Rooms is based in New York City, and we've seen you know, what's happened to a New York City dining experience, you know, during the pandemic. And, you know, it's something that was such a, you know, a lifeblood of the city. How do you see the dining experience changing in the New York City as as more people get vaccinated and people start to return to the city a little more? Yeah, I'm, it's funny because I've now been in the city for, I guess, almost 14 years. And you know, I'm, I'm very bullish on New York City on in the long run. I think I've heard, you know, New York City is dead. And I will often say, well, if New York City is dead, then, you know, what about Cincinnati? And no offense to people from Cincinnati. Uh, but I'm, I'm very bullish on New York City because of the resilience of the city. And so, you know, over the coming months, you know, I think the city is really going to struggle uh, because of all of the restrictions that have been put on. Uh, in terms of how restaurants can operate. But I do think there's going to be a re renaissance. I do think that the operators that make it through are, are going to be the next creative wave. Uh, I think, you know, rents are going to come down. Uh, so you're going to be able to have more restaurants back in quickly. Uh, and then I just think the creativity is going to explode. You know, I see it from lots of our customers and our, our restaurant customers, I should say, and partners you know, where the chefs have been kind of on the sidelines. They're they're also at home uh, making the next fun dish, making the next great dessert, thinking about the things that they want to improve the next go around. So I do think that there's going to be an amazing renaissance uh, for New York City in particular. Uh, and I think we have, you know, outdoor dining seems to be here to stay, at least for the next couple of years, it sounds like. And so we will have that, I think, European vibe uh, create, combined with the creativity that's going to come back out. And you're, you're going to get a lot of New Yorkers come out and support the restaurants because that's one of the main reasons why people live here is because of how great the, the restaurant food and bar scene is. So kind of uh, expand that outlook, you know, for the, what do you see for the entire restaurant industry in 2021 and beyond? So I, in the next six months, it's going to be really, really challenging for the restaurants that are in colder weather markets where you know, the, the markets are more closed off just generally, whether that's due to weather or whether that's due to restrictions. I think that those restaurants, unfortunately, are going to really, really struggle. 
for the restaurants that are in warmer markets, less restrictions, I think those restaurants are, are going to do fairly okay. And then the restaurants that are, we're always positioned for delivery, pickup, takeout, you know, those types of, those types of offerings. I think they've, they've done really well uh, more recently because they were already positioned to do well. So I think over the next six to 12 months, they're going to continue to do well. So, you know, I think it really depends on where, what, what kind of concept you have, uh, where your restaurant's located, unfortunately, and it was a little bit of the lottery right now. Uh, and then what's happening in the markets in terms of where uh, restrictions are. Uh, so six to 12 months is going to be, unfortunately, I think a really tough period for restaurants in general. And then I am, you know, I am very optimistic that come summertime of 2022, uh, I think we'll start to come back to more normal and it's going to be a crazy explosion, hopefully, of uh, of consumer demand. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's going to be great. So what are the concepts that you see are excelling and what are the ones that are struggling a little more? Yeah, I think a lot of the the brands that so obviously, you know, the the delivery pizza companies, you know, the the dominoes of the world, they were already doing well pre-COVID. You know, they were already innovative using technology. You know, I think that just by by design, they were already well positioned. So they're they've done really, really well. I think in places in southern markets uh, where they had a combo of of casual uh, and pickup delivery already happening, uh, I think that they've been really successful too in terms of tr- how they've transitioned and and uh, in many cases, you know, if you read about some of these companies, they've they pretty much maintained uh, or have grown in some areas their business, which is pretty incredible to think about. So those are a couple places where. Uh, segments where I think they've benefited from just the business model that they already had going into it. And who who is kind of struggling a little bit at this point? Definitely fine dining restaurants are struggling. You know, I think that the, they have been challenged because it's just not their model to deliver the food. Uh, and, you know, they were already running on slim margins just because of the food cost being higher. So, you know, I think they are really struggling because a lot of their business was predicated upon people coming into the restaurants so unfortunately, they're the ones I think who have struggled the most. Uh, and then, of course, you know anything that that uh, is group based. You know some of the entertainment things we were talking about, where you know you go out with your family or go out with your friends, and that's what it was designed for. So I think that they're struggling as well. Thank you so much. This is great to to listen and and hear about you know technology and and where we're going and the personalized you know how how everything you know, is, is geared toward the guest. Of course, you know, I think for, and thank you for, you know, all the work that, that you're doing, you know, you guys have been such a great resource for the industry. So, uh, you know, we appreciate, you know, being on the sidelines when it comes to reading the, the articles you're putting out and seeing what you're doing. So, uh, you know, we're, we're very positive about the future. Uh, and, you know, we think if we can help restaurants make it through the next 12 months, there's going to be a lot of light at the end of the proverbial tunnel.